Christmas Poster Bonanza. From Marvel Press. Captain America. The Incredible Hulk. The Amazing Spider-Man. Fantastic Four. Each 22 by 34 inch poster, only $3.95. Available at your friendly neighborhood comic book store. For the location of the comic shop in your area, consult the yellow pages under Books, New and Used. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. Any minute now, my banter's coming in. I keep checking if it's random. And it is... Random better time, buddy. How you been? What's new with you? Well, I feel like my heart breaks just a little bit each day whenever you sing to me. Uh, Colin Hayes for you, buddy. Colin Hayes. Aw. Let's see here. What is new with me? I'm kind of starting a new secondary podcast. I'm not cheating on you. I really am not. Yeah, so says everybody who's getting a little pod on the side. Well, just a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I decided to do something with my friend Nicholas Prom from Comic Reflections. Him and I are working on a ultra super secret little podcast that, that will be dropping underneath Comic Reflections. He's going to just drop it into his own pod feed. So if you're interested in that, uh, keep your eye out for Comic Reflections. Um, I don't know when it's going to be out, but hopefully sometime soon. You know, like whenever I can get around to editing that. Because <laughs> you don't have anything else going on. No, no, no. Just this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the show. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of the show. There's a lot of the show. So I got more comic book stuff coming out for all of our lovely fans who are out there listening to us. Well, that's really cool. I'm looking forward to letting my ears get a peep of that. Aw, that's so <laughs> sweet. How about you? What's new with you? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, let's never let Christmas die because uh, this is a Christmas, you know, a kind of, it's Christmas Eve issue. Yes. And so let's just talk about some uh, Christmas stuff that I've done. Uh, I was able to make it out to the Oregon Zoo Lights. Yay. Which is really cool because uh, I was thinking that that was going to be done by, you know, it's like, oh, by the end of December we'll be done. No, it ran into the beginning of January. Woohoo! So that's I was able awful. to get out there. So that's always cool. Was it crowded? It surprisingly wasn't. Well, good. So going after the new year when everybody thinks that it's closed means that, yeah, we got parking right at the front gate. We went in. We had... Uh, the place not to ourselves but it was really it was easy there wasn't a lot of people we could wander around i was like it was it was so open that i'm like yeah yeah uh, aurora just run around and we can follow you and you can always be in line of sight there was never that like crush you say that but now that i think about it uh, your daughter does look a little bit different uh, are you sure you grabbed the right child before you left yeah i'm pretty sure she was a chinese boy when we uh, had her originally <laughs> sure sure <laughs> yeah Actually, speaking of Christmas, I did bring you a new Christmas present today. Yes, you did. You brought us uh, yet more stuff. Huzzah. Huzzah. It was a Christmas present for both of us because Rick is trying to empty stuff out of his house where he's like, we don't need this anymore. So he's like, I know somebody who has a new daughter. I'll just push it their way. So uh, we got uh, some kitchen set stuff from Rick, which is pretty cool. Well, uh, to be fair, it's not even from me. It's from my daughter. Oh, that's true. I threatened my daughter that she should pack some of it up and give to Aurora. (laughs) (laughs) Because otherwise, I'm going to pack it up and I'm going to give it to a kid named Goodwill. Hey, Goodwill's a nice kid. He needs a lot of stuff. Yep. You know who else needs a lot of stuff? Who? A whole bunch of demons. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> that was a segue. It was a segue and a half. <laughs> 
I know, because I was there. Uh, let's start this lovely thing off by telling me what happened last episode, if you would be so kind, sir. So many things were going on in the last issue that two sentences won't cover it, but the main thread is that Katie was throwing a surprise Thanksgiving dinner party for her family and all of her lonely superhero friends because her dad was at the hospital spending time with her mom who was in a coma from an attack that she suffered at the hands of Curse. When a grieving Alex finds this out, things do not go well, and Katie runs off to see the Macy's parade where she steals a Mighty Mouse parade balloon to show to her mom after Annalee causes a mob to chase Leech, causing all the heroes to gather to set things right, which causes Annalee to realize that she she has been a horrible person and that she will start being better by loving Leech back and then they all go to the Powers apartment and have a lovely Thanksgiving dinner together. And I'm going to challenge somebody out there to diagram that sentence for me. <laughs> uh, there is so much stuff happening. Now that the this issue had so many storylines going on, it had 18 meanwhiles in it. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. <laughs> Stone Woot Stout. <laughs> Woot! Yeah, this is great. This has got, uh, yeah, it's a stone brewing, so it's got their uh, kind of gargoyle demon on the front, and he's holding up a beer aloft. It's being struck by lightning, and he's standing over his, uh, like a handful of defeated foes that look like orcs, and in the background is uh, an image of Will Wheaton and uh, two other guys. You may know this. <laughs> yeah, I actually I have one of these. Yeah, it, in fact, on the back, it's Drew Curtis, Will Wheaton, Greg Coach, Stone Farking Wheaton Woot Stout. <laughs> so, <laughs> and a mind-blowing amalgamation of flavors. Yeah, this is uh, this is the beer that the those three guys made for Stone Brewing, which yeah. is absolutely hilarious. I liked it because of the geek cred that you get with this. And oh, this big is, time, yeah. And this is the 2018 version for those playing at home. And also, the picture really shows kind of some a scene that happens in this book, more or less. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I entirely forgot. Yeah, this is a this issue is called Turning Point, and uh, spoilers: it has demons in it. Oh yeah, all the demons. It has lots and lots and lots of demons. And I think I mean you can almost take that scene right out of this from the, from the picture here. Yeah, lightning, Will Wheaton, and demon holding a brew. Yeah, well, actually, everything yeah. everything except for the Will Wheaton part. Yeah. I'm sure uh, they might have mentioned him. Off, off, uh, off panel. In 2013, the CEO and co-founder, Greg Koch, invited two respected fans of craft beer brewing and all things stone to develop an intense, inventive beer capable of not only delivering immense flavor, but also serving as a fitting, singular celebration of the uber-level enthusiasm. This is something that they made, and it is 13.5% ABV and 65 IBUs. It's dark as I'll get out. Ooh. It's, uh, it's a different flavor. It's a different flavor. It's not bad. Yeah, it's just not what I was expecting. It's got, it, it does kind of have some fruit flavors going with yeah, it. Yeah, I want to say it's a little bit of barley. I'm getting some barley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of has a, yeah, like a barley wine kind of mm -hmm. uh, flavor going. So Definitely tasting the 13% ABV. Yeah, yeah. So it, it has that kind of imperially, imperial stout kind of taste yeah. just because of the alcohol content. But it does have, yeah, kind of like a barley, barley wine, fruity flavor going too. It's... It's really, it's got a sharp kind of bite to it. To yes. The flavor on yes. The tongue. It, it's definitely saying, hello, how are you? <laughs> Woot. <laughs> Woot. <laughs> uh, and it's dubbed Woot Stout in honor of Woot Stock, uh, Will's annual tribute festival to cross-genre geekdom. There's a lot to this. There's a lot to this. Uh, this is definitely a geek one. I knew we had demons in it. I liked it for the geek cred that it comes yep. to it. And that's how I'm tying it into this book. This does, in fact, really tie in. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. You tied it into <laughs> this. I was I was very curious to see what you got. You have your beer. Mm-hmm. And I need some opening credits, if you please. All right. Power Pack, issue number 20, March 1986. Turning Point. Credits. Writer, Louis Simonson. Artist, Bob McLeod. 
Letterer, Joe Rosen. Colorist, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. G. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, voiced by my wife. Jack Power, a.k.a. Massmaster. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer, voiced by my daughter. Guest starring, Maggie Power, still in a coma after being injured by Curse. James Power, a very worried husband who does not know his children have superpowers. Grandpa Power, the Power Kid's grandfather who does not take the kids anywhere this time, and bad stuff still happens. Hold on to your pants, true believers, because the action starts immediately on a New York street outside of a pet shop named Usies. Uh, Usies. You guys. You keys. Okay, I'm having problems with this, and it's throwing me off script. Uh, do you know what the pet shop's name is? So, um, this isn't really important to the comic or anything else, but since you asked... The name is most likely Lucy's Pet Shop, and the art is just showing it with the L cut off. So. Ah, ah, okay, okay, that makes sense. All right. There is an important part that you are missing out on, though. Other than the L, what's that? This. Bam, bam, bam. The store owner is invoking his Second Amendment rights by unloading a clip at... Oh, <sighs> uh, what's wrong? You know, I mean, besides the confusion that I had at the uh, truncating of the store's name so that I couldn't read it in the splash page. Well, you being confused on that has made me... Totally blank on what you call a collective group of demons. Oh, that's simple. It's a uh, legion. Oh, okay. All right, thanks. Well, Ed, the shop owner, is target practicing on a legion of demons on a crowded New York street, which is so legal. Apparently, these hellspawn are out on a last-minute Christmas shopping spree and have just slaughtered all of the animals in the shop. Well, almost all of them, and we'll get to that later on. And thus, the owner is a little unhappy with the stocking stuffers they left with, which consists of Eye of Newt and Toa Frog. Thus, he's wildly shooting at demons, the same demons that are now heading to a museum, which leads me to believe that they are somewhat educated or at least literate demons. So, hey, good on them. Not so good on them as you might think, as they are going to the Museum for the Mummy's Dust and not for the Treasury of San Marco exhibit. Well, they don't seem that religious and not interested in material goods. You know, not everyone thinks with their wallet. Says you. These guys do seem to be busy little monsters, though. They have already set up some of the steps needed to bring a souvenir back to their home dimension, which is called Limbo. What souvenir, you might ask? Why, nothing other than Manhattan Island itself. That will just play havoc with the property values. They just need to fill up their ingredient bag with a few more items, like the aforementioned mummy's dust, and to get a source of power. And it appears that the source of the power they need comes from young, innocent babies. Well, that's disturbing. Now, we should mention that for many X-Men readers, this all sounds really familiar. These demons are talking about Limbo, an mutant dark child named Ileana. This would be a member of the new mutants known as Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic. She's got a really complicated past, so we will just summarize it for you now in saying that she has the mutant ability to open portals to any place on Earth, but she must go through the demon dimension Limbo. And due to reasons, she is the queen of that dimension. Master of the Demons, and she possesses some magical powers. We are just scratching the surface of that character. These demons seem to have escaped from Limbo due to magic having a tussle with our least favorite character, the Beyonder. Yep, not quite done with him yet. See, the effects that he had on other characters continues to affect the rest of the Marvel Universe. And right now, these demons are really causing problems at that museum. Wait! Oh my stars and garters! Do you see who that demon just attacked? I think it's Stan! What? Hey... As you all know, our favorite night watchman Stan has moved back home to the Big Apple to restart his life after a series of unfortunate events, and he has found himself getting back into the watchman business, but this time during the day. 
Sounds good, right? I mean, all his previous problems happened when he was working night. So the day shift at the Metropolitan Museum of Art ought to be safer, don't you think? Well, you think wrong. Because Stan currently has a demon clinging to him, impolitely yelling in his face to tell him where the mummies are. Stan is surprised and understandably freaked out by this and gives up the goods. While the demons are smashing open a mummy case and carrying it off, they exult in the fact that they will soon have the million people of Manhattan to be their slaves and that their next stop is the hospital. Why the hospital? Because they need to pick up a sacrifice and the more innocent it is, the better. That's right, they want babies. Not one baby, but every baby they can get their hands on, just in case the preceding sacrifice doesn't work. Well, Stan has heard enough. He is over his shock and steps up to this legion of demons. No way is he going to let this happen. And do you know why? Because not all heroes wear capes. Unfortunately, Stan can only get out a hold on before he gets the gray knocked out of his hair by a backhanding demon. Well, at least Stan tried. Looks like it was a bad day to be a hero and a bad day for a day watchman. Much later that day, we find the Power Kids heading to the hospital. It truly has been a month between the book and this universe, because Jack is lamenting on it being Christmas Eve, and their mom is still in the hospital, and it's not looking good. The kids know they won't be allowed to see their mom due to their age and the hospital's strict, no-loving-family-visitors rule, but they also know that that doesn't have to stop them from seeing their mom. So they duck into an alley, pull a Superman, and alight to the nearby window ledge. Pull a Superman? Yeah, race down an alley and change costumes really fast? <laughs> Watch a Donner film sometimes, why don't you? The sneaky, sad siblings silently spy on the surgeon, scientist, senior, and sleeping sickie who is sheet-shrouded and supine in her silent somnolence. The surgeon speaks simply of surrounding symptoms and some saddening science. Okay, let's parse this. Gramps is a senior, and he's in with Jim, listening to the doctor say that if Maggie's fever breaks tonight by midnight, there's a good chance that she will recover. But if it doesn't, well, she will get worse. That's what I said. Ish. Well, the kids take this really hard. With all of their powers, they have no way of fighting death. But before they have time to really grieve, Crash! The demons from earlier in our story reappear, carrying fresh, organic, locally sourced babies from the hospital nursery. Those things stole babies. We've got to get them back. And away they attack. The demons are too busy arguing with themselves about who has the most innocent child for the sacrifice and if they should just sacrifice all the babies at the same time, just to make sure they get the job done right. To notice that Power Pack is attacking. Baby sacrifices? We have made a turn in storytelling. Julie makes the first strike, snatching a baby as she flies by. Jack is not so subtle, smashing a demon into the ground with a jackhammer, causing the infant to go a-flying. Alex scolds Jack while catching the tossed tot. Katie wants to hold it, but Alex tells her that she would probably drop or disintegrate the baby if she held it. So, stop asking. Which upsets Katie. It is like she doesn't like being treated like a baby or something. Then she should stop being a baby. Yeah, baby. Why are you such a baby? Jack did not learn his lesson and continues to bounce demon skulls with Julie catching the chucked children. Actually, this is just getting ridiculous. All of the kids are distracting, pushing, hitting, and provoking the monsters to drop the babies while Julie is flying like crazy to catch them in her increasingly encumbered arms. Then Jack trips the last one. Splat. And an ecstatic Katie does a successful dive catch, quickly learning that the kid she caught has a full load. Woot! And speaking of dumping... Huh? <laughs> With the sound of approaching cop cars, the kids quickly stage the infants in a safe spot for the approaching police to find, and are preparing to leave before the law shows up when Katie finds a dropped bag the demons were using for their spell components. She does some speedy Nancy Drewing and discovers a library card for Kitty Pride. What? 
There is an editor's note here that says we should look at New Mutants number 36, which we have and we will fill you in on the appropriate details. For now, we, like the kids, have to run away from the cops who just found the babies. Later, the kids circle back to the hospital. Julie and Jack head in to tell their dad and Gramps that they are heading home, while Alex and Katie find a payphone to try and call Kitty Pride. While Alex deals with the inconvenience of not owning a smartphone and talking to information, Katie wanders off because she was told not to by Alex. I'm not a baby and I can't if I want to. Katie, Katie, Katie! Yeah, you deserve what is waiting around the corner. You see, a couple of demons noticed her powerballs and youthful appearance during the earlier attack. And like Tony, they think she will be a great power source. After all, Katie could be the most important sacrifice of the day. Yeah, sure. She's probably full of vitamin D. Let us now turn our attention to a school in upstate New York, where Daniel Moonstar, co-leader of the New Mutants, is telling Sam and Rain to stop goofing around while she talks to Alex Power. Uh, excuse me, I mean Mr. Here's My Secret Identity Power Pack. Alex just drops his real name and then pulls out his hero creds and lets Daniel know that they found some demons with Kitty's bag and that said demons are trying to transport Manhattan to limbo. Danny is up front with this strange kid and admits that the goblins are their problem. They thought they had shoved all of them back into limbo. She promises Alex that they will meet him on the roof of the hospital in 15 minutes to finish cleaning up their mess. You know, if the feds had tapped that phone and were listening in, this would have to be in the top 25 most ridiculous calls they've ever heard. Eh, at least 50. Back at the payphone, Alex agrees to this and misses seeing Katie uphold the power pack tradition of at least one of them getting kidnapped, this time by a mob of demons. Wait, hang on. Yep, easiest pack kidnapping yet. Just picked up off the street, and Alex missed it. Way to go, G. Way to go. So while the new mutants get into their uniforms, let's check on Franklin and Jarvis. Why? Because Franklin has to save Santa. I'm interested. Go on. Well, they're walking down the street and talking about how Franklin dreamed that Jarvis forgot the cranberries. You know, a life-threatening thing at Christmas. During this walk and talk, Franklin has a weird daydream where he sees a washed-out taxi hit a washed-out Santa. Then he sees that Santa walking into the street in real life. Franklin runs forward, yelling, pulling the Santa out of the street, saving his life. Jarvis is amazed and impressed, but Franklin makes him promise not to tell his mama, since his most absent parents think that his special dream powers are bad. With that strange interlude over, we go back to the new mutants who are suited up and ready to go. They're shocked that these goblins are trying to shift Manhattan into limbo. But really, what do you expect from demons? Am I right? I guess we should introduce them now. Apparently most of the team is out last minute Christmas shopping, so we're left with just these three members. First, we have Sam Guthrie, Cannonball. This tall blonde fella is co-leader of the team. He has the power to fly, or blastin', and when he is blastin', he is nigh invulnerable. Next up we have the other co-leader, Daniel Moonstar, aka Mirage. This proud Native American woman has the ability to create illusions based on what she or others either desire or fear. Additionally, thanks to a strange trip to Asgard the team recently had, she was kind of adopted by the Valkyries. Or, most importantly, Mirage was befriended by a Pegasus named Brightwind, and now has become a Valkyrie. Naturally. Because Naturally. Hey, I found a horse. You're a Valkyrie. Yep. This means that she has the ability to see and interact with death. I am not kidding. Comic books. Love them! <laughs> Finally, we have Rain Sinclair, a.k.a. Wolfsbane. Her mutant power is the ability to turn into a werewolf. Which, you know, all things considered, is probably the simplest thing to explain. The three mutants race over to the hospital to meet up with the pack, who are not pleased that the new mutants are kids. Hello, pot. Meet kettle. Alex explains that they are missing their youngest sister, which is his fault. Kind of like... Wait, wait... I know this song. It's my fault mom got hurt. Yeah, yeah, and dying. 
and this last admission causes Mirage to become interested. After a quick peek into Maggie's hospital room, Mirage confirms that there is a death glow around the paralyzed parent. Wolfsbane argues that Mirage should fight death for the power kids. Mirage is trying to explain that as Valkyrie, she should be trying to collect the dead, not fight off death, and that she can't fight death for everyone. She's also arguing that they need to stop the demons. They are the bigger threat. Cannonball steps up and points out that Wolfsbane, Power Pack, and he could save Manhattan while she fights death. You know, that seems like a fair trade? Well, if she has enough quarters, she should be set. Huh? Gauntlet reference. Don't worry about it. Mirage and Brightwind fly off to battle a floating visage of death while the five remaining heroes develop a plan to find Katie and the demons. The plan starts with Wolfsbane transforming into a form that can track the missing girl. Holy cow! You're a werewolf! There are two stories that occur during the rest of this book, the death fight and the demon fight. In the comic, the narrative flips back and forth. For our retelling purposes, we will handle one at a time, starting with the death fight. Mirage approaches the hovering visage of death. In this form, death is dressed in a large dark blue robe with matching wings and hair. Her skin is like porcelain and her face is beautiful. Death is angered that Mirage is here and starts by calling her a false Valkyrie. Ding, 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 ding. All right, all right, all right. In this corner, we've got death coming in with a blue robe. And for 40,000 million tons, it's death. <laughs> and in this corner, weighing in at about 90 pounds, wearing the yellow and black tights, it is Mirage from the Valkyries. <laughs> now, I want a clean fight, ladies. On three, we're going to... Okay. <laughs> death is one to talk. I mean... Really, this is actually just a guy named Dave who recently became Death after Beyonder killed the real Death. What the limbo are you talking about? Oh, yeah. See Secret Wars 2, issue number 6. Or don't. No, never mind. It's just really a bad story. Let's just move on. Okay. Death at first thinks that Mirage is trying to take Maggie's soul, denying Death her due. Mirage counters that she is here to fight for Maggie to continue to live and attacks Death by showing her what she fears most. Which... As death fears nothing, appears to be nothing at all. Wow, behold the terrifying non-illusion. Yeah, that does not work. Instead, death turns that around, showing Mirage what she fears, as Mirage and Brightwind momentarily calcify into bones. Well, that was creepy. But quickly, Mirage is back to flesh and resolves that she will fight death. And she creates an illusion of a Cheyenne ghost shaft and bow. Death laughs at this silly illusion. At least until Mirage fires it through her wing. And it actually hurts death. The Mirage suffused her illusion with power and will. At that moment, the hospital and a majority of New York lose power as a result of the other battle that is occurring. This provides death with strength and power. It also causes the spirit of Maggie Powers to leave her body and start drifting to beautiful death. Death swings at Mirage, who instinctively dodges away from the touch and begins to fall off her flying horse. Mirage hangs on, climbing back onto her mount's back, pleading with Mrs. Power to think of her children and to fight. Fight. Go team! Go team! Yes, you spirit, you can fight. You can stave off death tonight. You can do it. Yes, you can. Like your hero, the man Stan. Yay, Go. team! Go team? Huh? As Maggie shakes off the thrall of death and begins to look around for her family, a thick fog arises, causing Mirage to think that the others have lost. Her spirit begins to flag. Speaking of spirits, death is closing in on Maggie's. But then, a bright light occurs, giving Mirage hope that her teammates have won, and she creates a Cheyenne war spear that she swiftly sends into death's back. That does the trick. Death begins to fade away, and Maggie's soul returns to her body. But as the final wisps of death fade, a dire warning is given to Mirage. There will be a price for fighting and defeating death. A price that will be extracted from her very soul. 
Meanwhile, earlier in the book, home of the fighting competing storylines. As Wolfsbane begins to follow Katie's trail, the demons have assembled on the Empire State Building, with Katie tied up as their centerpiece. She is all powered up, locked up to the base of the tower, and ready to go nuclear. This can't be good. Well, eh, wait a minute. I think I'm starting to turn around on these demons. Sure, they broke into a museum and they attacked Stan, and they are ready to sacrifice an innocent child to drag Manhattan to a hell dimension, but check it out. Wonder if it's the same one we're drinking. Huh, yeah, uh, you know, probably not. They're drinking brewskis. But the first thing I see as a problem is that they are drinking a definite homebrew. Second, I am pretty sure that they use freshly slaughtered animals and mummy dust in their brewing process. And it seems to be working as the skies fill with cosmic storm clouds. They command that the light child spark into the storm, as like will attract like. Kaboom! Yeah, the thunderbolts and the lightning. It is all very, very frightening. And it is hitting Katie. She is absorbing the energy, screaming with pain, screaming a scream no one can hear. Correct. The combined team of Nupak, or Power Mutants, is racing up to the top of the building. But before they can make it up to the top, the Eldritch energies have caused the city to go dark. And as the child warriors crest the top of the tower, they see the Energizer, crackling with energy, surrounded by the demon horde who are cheering the combining of Limbo and Manhattan Island. This is not over for the young heroes. They will not leave the Energizer to this fate. So what if there are 50? We can't just leave her there. I know we gotta save her, but against this many, I don't know if we can. Lightspeed and Cannibal slam into the demons with Massmaster hammering their heads and Wolfsbane going feral and wolfy. And G is just kinda hanging out in midair. Cannibal is noticing that the shoreline is glowing with lightning and posits that the island is moving out of phase with Earth and into phase with Limbo. Now the kids are really getting worried about their mom and the loss of the electricity at the hospital. Ba-boom! This is where the fog starts to roll in. Limbo is a coming, and the fighting intensifies, and the demons are getting stronger, even if there are less of them. Alex and Jack are at a loss about what to do. They know Katie is the key, but they don't know if they can free her. If only there was someone who was nigh invulnerable when blasting. Shut your mouth! Hey, I'm just talking about Cannonball. Show sure enough! The Lincoln New Mutant blasts out the construction holding Katie and breaks it apart, freeing the overcharged little girl. Smash! Sort of. Katie, still partially attached to this wall antenna thing, begins to tumble off the roof. Eee! Julie screams after the falling child, but Katie warns her, Stay back! I'm burning up! I can't hold all this energy and I'm gonna... And with that, she unleashes the mightiest of Powerballs. Shraka! Boom! And the Manhattan skyline lights up as the connection to Limbo is broken. Lightspeed manages to catch an unconscious Energizer by the foot and brings her back to the top of the building, where the ripped up and tired teams are standing. The demons seem to have been tossed back home, thankfully cleaning up that mess that the Beyonder started. Julie hands her sister off to Sam, who has some experience with this because he's got a lot of little brothers and sisters at home. They can see that she is still breathing, but before they can head off to the X-Mansion's infirmary, Katie wakes up and says, Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. What? No. She actually says, I'm not a baby, only I'm real tired. What, what happens? Part of the magic of the demon ceremony meant that she has no clue what has just happened, which is really good because she has had more than enough horrible stuff happened to her recently. The pre-adult adventurers fly back to the hospital to check on the power mommy and Mirage. Danny is resting next to Brightwind. She sends the older three power kids down to peek into the window while the new mutants watch over the sleeping Katie. They overhear the doctor expressing amazement at the immense improvement in her condition. She is actually fighting for her life. The doctors chalk it up to a 
Christmas miracle. Jim is just overcome with relief. This is good news. He can actually tell the kids that their mom is getting better. Outside, Jack, Julie, and Alex share hugs and tears at this reversal. Back up on the roof, the two teams are saying their goodbyes to each other. Sam offers up their danger room for the power pack to visit. Danny scoffs at this, pointing out that their headmaster would probably not allow it. I mean, that is Magneto. <laughs> yeah, he's a stickler for the rules. Did you notice the admiring look that Jack was giving Rain? Well, yeah. You know, really, they're not that far apart in age. I mean, you know, maybe five or six years, which, you know, after the 20s, eh. Also, Rain is cute, Scottish, and a werewolf. So, yeah, of course Jack's interested in her. As the new mutants fly off, Katie wakes up and the kids revel in the fact that they fought off the goblins, met new friends, convinced Mirage to fight death, and that their mother is getting better. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, everyone! Yes, Katie. Yes, indeed. Next issue. Since we are sitting on this dark rooftop, why not interlude with one of the most interesting and intense stories yet as we, and Katie Power, jump over to the amazing X-Men number 205, Wounded Wolf. Because Katie has not been traumatized enough, let's drop her in the middle of a Wolverine murder attempt. Sounds like a good time to me. You know what sounds like a good time to me? What's that? Power Pack Packaging Time! Nice. Power pack, packaging, power pack, packaging, power pack, packaging time! Let's talk about that cover. This cover has been drawn by Mike Mignola. You know who that is, right? Yes, he is off of Hellboy fame. That is correct, sir. And if you look at my nice cover, you see right there? See right there? That'd be Mike Mignola's name signed on my cover right on Julie's rainbow. Yep, it looks like an M-I-G-M-O. Yep. Migmo. Yeah, he was at the last Comic-Con, and uh, I was like, oh, hey, um, I know he did a Power Pack cover, so I'm going to get it signed. He was quite amazed to see me bring this one up, but that's all right. Yeah, that's, that's a rare right. treasure and find. It is not what you would think of for a... Uh, he, was, he was just happy not to be signing another Hellboy, I yeah, think. Yeah, where it's like, oh, whatever, Feast of the Worms, the Iron Crown, I can't remember all of them. Yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, these are the ones you're going to see because you're Mike friggin' Manuel. Yeah, but... Uh, but a Power Pack cover? Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what we got here is... um. It's a really represent. I mean, th- this is pretty much what's out of the book. I mean, it's not an exact scene, but it's very representative. Close enough for me. Yeah, because we've got Katie, who is tied up to an antenna at the top, and she's all powered up and glowing like a star. You've got Jack clouded up with a demon jumping through him. You've got demons crawling all over this tower. You've got Julie screaming up towards Energizer. You've got Cannonball blasting underneath Julie's rainbow with a couple of demons on him. Rain is just kind of hanging out on the side of the building, ready to tussle. And, um, well, Alex is getting choked. Yeah, he's getting choked out. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this is a... I have to say, this is probably one of the darker covers I've seen. Yeah. It, it There's just something about it that's very menacing, very dark. It's not as light and playful as many of the other covers mm-hmm. have been. Which, yeah, it's Mike Mignola's style, but yeah. it's 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 kind of fun. It's neat to see another artist kind of get in there and, and really do something. I would not have associated this with uh, Mike's work. Just because if you look at his work, especially in like the Hellboy stuff, it is very stylized. Mm-hmm. And you look at this and... I would have put this onto Brent Anderson. I would have put this onto uh, June, June Brigman. I would have put it onto you know any any of just kind of the core artists right. doing their doing their covers. It was just like yeah, that's totally totally fits. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's them. And then you go, oh, Mike did it, and it's mm-hmm. like if you say so, and it says so on it. So yeah. <laughs> we should also mention too that we have Terry Austin, who is really known for his inking work with Jim Byrne, but he's the inker that's on this too. So let's give y'all you know, credit where credit is due. But I think it's a very nice cover. It's it's yeah. 
It's not one I go to a lot with the power pack. Yeah, I vaguely recalled this storyline. I remember the... Here's what I remember about the story. It was uh, Maggie Power's spirit coming out of her body. Mm -hmm. So when I hit that part of the story again, I was like, oh, I do remember this. And just nothing outside of that. I, I remember, you know, I know that there was a New Mutants one. I know this is the New Mutants one. I know it was darker than a lot of the other stories, mm -hmm. which it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let, let's get into that now. It's interesting because the theme of this book, the real... The underground theme, besides Maggie Powers fighting for her life, but the reasoning behind everything kind of happening, the impetus, is these demons stealing babies, Yeah, which is right out of Inferno. Oh, okay. We are about... Oh, man, three, I vaguely recall we are about Inferno, three or We're about three or four years uh, outside of Inferno, I think. Okay. And Power Pack will have a role in that. So will, of course, the New Mutants. Mm -hmm. uh, Lana Ress, um, Inferno is a... Um, Inferno is a Marvel crossover event, mostly focusing on the mutant titles. Yeah. X-Men, X-Factor, New Mutants. And at that time, Elena Rasputin, Magic, who we've alluded to in this book, she has become fully possessed by the demon magic that she's been fighting. And a couple of demons have conspired against her to open up this portal of pulling Limbo onto Earth and basically taking over Earth by by a demons. Okay. And one of the ways that they make this happen, there's a lot of components that go into it, but but a big component is this storyline of getting a bunch of babies to power the portal okay. which they will come through. <laughs> and they do get some babies to do this. So it is interesting that this storyline was actually worked out many, many years before. Yeah. <laughs> well actually it, it it's not too surprising because one of the architects of the Inferno storyline was Louise Simonson, who was working on X-Factor at that time, with and Chris Claremont, of course, was working on... I think he was working on New Mutants and on... Uncanny? And Uncanny X-Men, too. It's not unsurprising that this was fleshed out a little bit back then, and then went forward. So, I just kind of found it very very cool to see the, the, the underpinnings are the first whiffs of Inferno back here. And, of course, you know, it being tied to this demons and these sacrifices it's a pretty adult bloody and dark book you think so yeah it's just like right off the bat you know like a shop owner, a pet shop owners are like they slaughtered most of the animals and they're running out with hands of gore and viscera going ha -ha, and basically going we've killed animals here's body parts let's go steal more stuff and then stop by a hospital and steal all the babies right yeah. and this guy is actually shooting a gun at them too yeah. so yeah yeah we got a lot of stuff you put it out to me too which i kind of missed they didn't kill all of the animals in this pet shop because there are still some puppies in the window that are barking <laughs> and and, and there's a chimpanzee. So from this picture, we can assume that in New York, there is a pet shop that you can buy a chimpanzee in. Uh, um, uh, it, was, it was the 80s, so maybe hmm. in New York, but maybe sure. not. I don't know. Rostov Friends lived in New York, and he had a... Uh, oh, dear God, that's right. Yeah, he had a monkey, Marcel. Yeah. I can't remember what type. I want to say cappuccino, and I know that's totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, but so... Some people buy monkeys. Maybe buy it monkeys. used to be kind of legal, or it was just uh, extra legal, but people did it. I don't know. When you look at the New Mutants books, for being the kid version of X-Men, they dealt with a lot more dark themes. Oh, yeah, they did. I mean, you have the Demon Bear saga. You've got the death of some characters. Actually, uh, going back to the Beyonder in New Mutants book, not too long after Beyonder messes with magic and Kitty Pride, which causes these demons first to come out, not too long after that issue, the Beyonder goes back to New Mutants and just kills all of them. I wasn't aware of that. 
He kills all of the New Mutants and then erases the New Mutants from everybody's memory. Because he's probably out of his hero phase now? He just... Is that why? He doesn't, he doesn't like them. Or he's just like, I'm not a fan of this title. They changed artists. It's gone. He, he just, which is he, when I canceled he, he my just, subscription. He just... He killed them. Mm-hmm. And made everybody forget about them. And then when they come back, when, when he you know lets them come back... Actually, I think he's forced to by, um, by Rachel Summers. Okay. They come back and they are... They're missing something. And Magneto, who's the headmaster at that time, doesn't know how to help them, has to send them to Emma Frost, who's at that time is a villain. It, it gets really dark because, I mean, these characters are just... Oh, that's right. Didn't they become members of the Hellfire Club yeah, for a bit? The yeah, the Hellions. They were the Hellions. Yeah. So and it gets really dark as they deal with these real tough issues. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens in there. So you bring the new mutants over, and you're bringing them over. You got Mirage, who can see death. And mm-hmm. can fight death, mm-hmm. which ooh, that's kind of some powerful stuff right mm-hmm. there. You've got uh, you know somebody who's dealing with demons, and the demons are slowly taking over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, this is what the kids are dealing with. Well, and you also have Rain, who is this religious werewolf who just <laughs> thinks of herself as an abomination. Yeah, she's got issues too. Mm-hmm. But then you know, of course, the kids are dealing with their mom on death's door. Yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah. yeah it all, she, ma- it all she, makes for an interesting book. Maggie was done. Maggie was going. Yeah, she yeah. had given up fighting. Yeah, and it was it was Mirage that caused her to live. I mean, yep. the kid it's, it kind of gets forgotten over time, but really, Mirage saved Maggie Power's life. Mm-hmm. The, this New Mutants or Power Pack would be a much much darker book, but you know, we followed through the storyline. Another uh, talking about the dark and bloodiness. This is a, one of the times where you really see not only New Mutants but also Power Pack get really damaged by the fighting they're doing. The demons mm-hmm. really cut them up a lot. Yeah, their uniforms got ripped up. Their yeah, the bodies got scraped. Yeah, it wasn't any like horrific injuries, but there was yeah, there was damage being done. There was like I said, clothing torn and uh, abrasions being caused right. on skin, which was pretty interesting because yeah, you don't see that. And Spider-Man, yeah, you see him get torn to shreds all the time, <laughs> but yeah, the pack, no. Yeah, we ha- also have. You know, Katie, who was kidnapped again, which we make light of. <laughs> yeah, it is there. But at the same time, this time she was kidnapped to be sacrificed yeah. by demons. Yeah, not to become a grandchild, not to become <sighs> a weapon in a alien war. Right. Not to be sold to the highest bidder. But to be sacrificed by demons. Yeah. I mean, this is... Yeah. yeah. Not being sacrificed by your friendly neighborhood Thor, who's going to supercharge you with his hammer and maybe kill you. He doesn't know, but you're well, going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Katie's gone through some things. <laughs> Katie's gone through some things, yeah. Uh, you know what? You know what, it's you know what? Like you know I said, it's, kidnapping it's, is their bread and butter. It's t- it's time for Katie to have a bit of a vacation. I think she should have a nice Christmas vacation, so next issue we'll send her off to see Wolverine. Oh, that's her buddy. That's going to be great. <laughs> no, I totally remember this one. I think that they learn the holiday spirit. They watch uh, a Christmas story, and they go out, and they go ice skating, and they... You know what? I, <laughs> all of those all of those things, all of those things I can say sort of happened in the book, <laughs> yeah. in a way. Enough of that. Let me break out a demon-stolen, viscera-covered, disgusting <laughs> library card. Literal library card. From a bag filled with unmentionable stuff that demons have stolen, because yep. we actually see an actual library card yeah yeah there's a honest to goodness library honest card to in this good comic. library so, card in so, this comic so the library card section is about the library card yes and it is amazing i actually have a library card mm-hmm. i forgot that there was an actual library card but there it is i revisited the new mutants 36 to see what kitty was looking at in the library when she was attacked and it was a book on norse mythology 
this means that I have to follow her research because mm-hmm. that's the rules that I just set up. <laughs> so Kitty's looking at Norris mythology because in one of the recent X-Men New Mutants comics they did a journey to asgard and it's an amazing crossover story the new mutant special and uncanny x-men annual number nine it's one of my favorite stories it's really cool but they kind of get kidnapped and taken to or some of them get kidnapped and taken to asgard some of the other x-men new mutants go up after them to find them and, and to rescue them and wackiness ensues there's a lot of things that happen during that some of the things are um wolf spain actually falls in love with a wolf prince in asgard oh yeah it's and she almost stays because of that oh that's cool in fact that's the impetus of a what if story that is also (laughs) amazing those three issues the two main issues and the what if three of the best they're really great Uh, magic actually enjoys being there because she learns a lot of magic with the enchantress Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is also where danny moonstar mirage as she gets separated off from the immunes she finds herself in a field full of pegasuses she saves one of them and that's brightwind and that's how she kind of gets chosen to be a valkyrie we are not kidding that this mutant who has this power of illusion she has the ability to see and fight death because she is a valkyrie mm-hmm. she has been chosen as a norseman valkyrie which is crazy but that's comic books <laughs> i'm assuming she's doing this research to help danny moonstar understand her new role as valkyrie in tradition odin had maiden attendants these are the daughters of gods mixed with a mortal strain they're armed and mounted warlike virgins they waited tables in asgard and kept the drinking horns full their chief duty was to go to the battlefields to decide Per Odin's bidding, who would win and who would die? They also carry the dead to Odin. When they ride forward, their armor sheds a strange flickering light over the northern skies. This is what is known as, I thought you would like this, Jeff, the Aurora Borealis. I read that and I thought it was pretty cool. What does Valkyrie mean? Well, Val means slain, and the Kuri, that means the chooser. So Valkyrie is choosers of the slain. Which is also kind of where you get Valhalla, which is the Hall of the Slain. And that's where the Valkyries brought the heroes to, is Valhalla. Now, any hero that was doomed to die would see this following poem. Maidens excellent in beauty, riding their steeds in shining armor, solemn and deep in thought, with their white hands beckoning. Interestingly, Valkyries would only take half of the dead. The other half belonged to Freya, the goddess of love and beauty, which is... I found very interesting, but apparently this is uh, common, and Norse poets would often say this and would often write about this, because in their mind, in Norse mythology and in Norse writing and understanding, beauty and love is very synonymous with death. They found that to be natural. (laughs) The Pegasus, in the research that I did, which I did do research, and I'll show you the books that I did research on this all on, I also looked up Pegasus. Now, Pegasus is really not found in Norse mythology. It's actually... Greek mythology. They're the winged horses of the Muses. They're born of seam foam and the blood of the slaughtered Medusa. They really don't belong in Norse mythology, but, you know, Chris Claremont thought it would be kind of cool. So. It's cool. It's they cool. look neat. It's awesome. It's nice. It's, and, a, it's all in that uh, yesteryear, yeah. throw it all together, mishmash. Yeah. The two books I looked at were Mythology, Timeless Tales of Gods and Heroes by Edith Hamilton, and Bullrick's Mythology. So I'm going to take pictures of both those books, and I'll have them on our website to show my research. Because if I know anything, you must always show your research. Yeah, you have to footnote. Yeah, you have to footnote. Cite your sources. Cite your sources. Yeah. And that's that's what I have to do when I'm in Science Corner, right? Yeah, that's what you have to do in Science Corner <laughs> is cite your sources. And if you don't, you will not be passing this corner, mister. Oh, I will pass this corner. Right off to me. Okay, boys and girls, welcome to Science Corner. So, one of the material components that was used in this issue to make the Manhattan to Limbo potion was mummy's dust. 
So, let's talk about mummies. First of all, why did the ancient Egyptians mummify their dead? Well, the ancient Egyptians believed that when someone died, their soul left their body. The soul would then return and be reunited with the body after it was buried. However, the soul needed to be able to find and recognize the body in order to live forever. Hence, the mummification process was developed and performed by embalmers. The chief embalmer was a priest wearing a mask of Anubis, the jackal-headed god of the dead, and he would follow the step-by-step -step process for mummification to take place. One. Insert a hook through the nose and pull out the brain. 2. Make a cut on the left side of the body near the stomach. 3. Remove all internal organs. 4. Let the internal organs dry. 5. Place the lungs, intestines, stomach, and liver inside canopic jars. 6. Place the heart back inside the body because it was believed to be the center of intelligence and feeling, and the man will need it in the afterlife. 7. Rinse the inside of the body with wines and spices. 8. Cover the corpse with natron, which is salt, for 70 days. 9. After 40 days, stuff the body with linen or sand to give it a more human shape. 10. After the 70 days, wrap the body from head to toe in bandages. 11. Place in a sarcophagus, which is a type of box-like coffin. And so, if you ever need to get mummy's dust, and you're not in a hurry to get it, you can make your own mummy. And that's Science Corner. Jeff and Ray present do not endorse any at-home embalming or mummification or serial killer type behavior. Let's talk about final thoughts. Alrighty. Refrigerator Gallery. This is where we talk about the pieces of art in the book that need to be on our family refrigerator. Jeff, I actually have something kind of fun for you because I actually am doing a call-out or a picture that I think is what I believe one of your picks will be. Yeah? Yeah. I'd like you to turn to page 21, and I'm saying based upon the type of pictures you've chosen in the past, I believe in the top middle, there is a picture there that is somebody that is just whitewashed out, and we only see shade and and white color of Danny getting kind of blinded by this big flashing light that gives her hope for the future. That's the kind of picture that you picked in the past. Okay. I'm just saying, I think you might pick it now. Okay, so everybody remember... Uh, page 21. You can tell me now that I'm, if I'm right or wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so people don't remember it because I didn't pick it. Yep, this is not on any of my lists. Still is very nice. Though. No, it's a great photo. Yeah, yeah. no, there was, a, there was a lot of really nice art in this one. All right, that was my guesstimate. That was a great guesstimate, but uh, sadly, no, that didn't make any of my top lists. Well, then tell me your funny one, my friend. My backup joke one is on page 11, and I called Sockless Sam. <laughs> Okay, I got you. I see what you're putting down. Yep, it's in the upper left-hand corner, and it uh, it shows the New Mutants, and they're leaving the X-Mansion, and they've just been putting on their costumes to get going. And uh, Sam Guthrie, a.k.a. Cannonball, is last one out, and he's pulling on his boots. And uh, one of his boots is halfway on, and the other one's in his hand, and he doesn't have any socks on. Or at least his right foot has no socks. So, sockless Sam Guthrie. Sockless Sam Guthrie. Fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Page 7. I call this one Stinky Poo. <laughs> there's there's a lot of good things here but yeah. I, 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 I didn't have this one I, I'm picking this one because they've caught all the kids Julie's placing them on the ground Alex is holding one Katie's holding the one that she caught there is this waft or this this scent smell yeah, the wafting the scent. wafting scent yeah, the little coming, wavy lines coming up from the baby and she's saying I will not yuck he needs changing <laughs> <laughs> no that didn't make my joke one <laughs> I thought about that because that is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? 
My actual joke one is on page eight, and I call it Cancer Stick. Oh, dear. And can you see why I call it Cancer Stick? It is in the uh, <laughs> second top left, and it's when uh, Jack and Julie are going to run into the hospital to go tell their folks that they're going home, and yep. Alex and Katie are going to go uh, you know, make a phone call to the X-Mansion and talk to or yep. Kitty Pride. And uh, Katie is now, just in the background. Wait, hang on a second. We, we, need, we need to explain this, because there's a lot of other pictures that have come up beforehand. Where <laughs> this is Christmas time. It is cold outside, so whenever they're showing the kids talking, you're always seeing some breath in front of their faces. Yep. So they've been drawing consistently breath in front of the kids faces because uh-huh. it's so cold outside go on okay uh katie has found herself a twig as uh, kids will do or a little stick and she's holding it in her mittened hand and blowing a uh, a smoke circle from her cancer stick because it's not a cigarette it's a stick and her her breath is being the smoke so i saw that and i'm like yep that's fantastic what's in funny so many things. what's funny is i remember doing that when i was a kid oh, yeah. and 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 it's one of those things because we saw it on other media wow oh my gosh you know what <laughs> it's true we were influenced by a lot of the images we saw which yeah. is what cigarette companies wanted at the yeah. time and so yeah it looked cool to blow smoke rings and that's what katie's doing yeah she's, she's a- pretending she's smoking and blowing a smoke ring yep it's all mm, smooth refreshing twig ah newport yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your real stuff backup uh page 14 i have got my backup one Danny being grabbed by death, which is the bottom middle panel. You oh, see the yeah. giant hand of death coming up and engulfing both Danny and Brightwind. And you see kind of the rough ghost outlines of their bodies, and you see the bones underneath, and it's ah, Yeah, that looks really great. I mean the next one it's just Danny sitting there as calcified bones, yeah, but disintegrating. That, but that one hand just grabbing both of them and, and them starting to disappear, it's it's kind of frightening. No, that's great. No, that's really good art. What do you got? Well, my backup is on page 16, and I call it Karak. And it is in the bottom left-hand corner, and it is a, a cityscape. It has uh, the Empire State Building and the Twin Towers, and it's all in black. And it's got, you can see a tiny little Jack and a tiny little Julie and a tiny little Sam Guthrie flying, leaving their trails behind them. And uh, the top of it has a Karak and a lightning bolt, you know, backlighting the city. I really like the way that looked. I like how it gave scale to the heroes. And it showed that, like, hey, this is a city and this is huge. And, uh, yeah, I, ju- I just like the blacked out city and the, uh, the lightning. I thought it looked really cool. All right. For my number one, I'm going to go forward to page 19. And this is going to be one of these times I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say two bottom panels. Okay. I think it's just a, a, an economy of space that, you know, you can't see 360 degrees, but this yeah. is what's going on around. The top panel, it's, the both panels are all in fog. The top panel, it's Sam Guthrie, just, there's like five demons around him. He's pushing two of them off. He's, his uniform is ripped. He's got scratches in him. You can see the fear on his face. The next one down, it's, in the middle of fog, there's two demons in front of the uh, pi- the pylon that's holding Katie. She is just nothing but a rough outline of power and Jack and, scream. and, and screaming. Yeah. And Jack and and Alex are in the fog, and there and Jack or Alex is ripped up. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like in the middle of the fight as they're really at their last breaths. Yeah, what are they gonna do? And yeah, no, that looks great. Those look great. Yeah, there was a Actually, lot. Actually, I'm wrong. It's not five demons that are in front of uh, yeah. One's, Sam. one's rain. One's yeah, rain. Yeah. I, rain kind of in she, her she half in, in her half in her half wolf form. She kind of blends in a bit. Yeah, there. in her hybrid form, she uh she looks like a demon. But yeah. no, it, it's a teammate. All right, what's yours? My first place one is on page twenty, and I call it boom. Oh yes. Yep, it is the bottom panel. And uh, I must be liking the city outlines with something going on behind them because it is uh, showing like all the uh, buildings of New York 
and in black in black and then they're just being illuminated from behind by katie's giant power ball that she uses to uh you know when she unleashes all the mystic energies in her which separates you know limbo from manhattan and puts manhattan back into you know you know 616 again so yeah <laughs> no. and, and just the entire background just goes boom so yeah and for being a very small panel too it's, yeah it's, it's pretty a tiny panel it's but pretty i just impressive. really like the way that it looked let's move on to rubber and glue moments mm-hmm. let's talk about what was the best or most childish insult so backup what do you got for backup my backup is on page six and so uh this is alex talking to uh, katie and katie wants to hold one of the babies and alex is all you're too little energizer you might drop him or disintegrate him yeah, that's all right. That's it's not. Right. Yeah, it's just you're too little. So that, that that's. Uh, I, there, th- I think we can do better. We can. There wasn't a lot of insults no, going on. No. In this one was kind of the problem. There wasn't a whole lot of hey dog breath or. No, but I think there's there's going. I'm going to take you to the last page. Okay. And this is going to be Danny. And Danny's talking to kind of responding back to Sam mm-hmm. about the kids about Power Pack coming to their uh, the X Mansion. Oh yeah. And she says, "Fun, ha." Huh? Our new principal is a real ogre, but I would love to have you. Yeah. No, which is so great. With the, the New Mutants, like, really connected yeah. with Power Pack. And it's like, yeah, this scene, they're, like, you know, rubbing hair and right. hugging each other. And it's and Sam especially is just like, we have a danger room, and you well, guys are really the, the one using thing, your powers well. We'd love to see you come in and practice, but also just hang out. The one thing that's interesting is that you look at these three, and Daniel Moonstar grew up more or less alone being raised by her grandfather on an Indian reservation, mm-hmm. a Native American reservation. Rainson Claire was raised an orphan and she was raised by a minister on a Scotland island. A real fire and brimstone. A real fire and brimstone type of type yeah. of guy. So she wrote she grew up in a very very registered, you know, very controlled regimented, regimented, regimented. sorry, real real regimented uh, controlled environment and you know she didn't have any brothers and sisters. Sam Guthrie the Guthries, most of them are mutants, but he's <laughs> yeah. got tons of brothers yeah, and sisters, he's, and he's he, the oldest one. Yeah, if you're looking at a mutant, uh, yeah, a superhero, mm, right. you're looking at a Guthrie. <laughs> so, so really, of I mean, Rain has always been very open with other kids her age because you know she's more scared of adults than she is kids. She mm-hmm. loves her teammates, she loves her brothers and sisters that she have as, as teammates, and she loves other kids. Sam Guthrie, he's no problem with kids. The one who's pretty antsy and the one who's usually really standoffish is going to be daniel moonstar mm-hmm. but i think being around the part of it is being around the mutants has caused her to be more accepting and more inviting of other people mm-hmm. but she is going to definitely be more accepting of other kids than adults she really also goes against adults that's cool what's your top one my top one is on page 24 go for it make me proud yeah it's uh after you know it's at the end it's after they've gone back to the hospital and uh they found out that their mom's going to be okay it's right there the panel is second to the end and katie's waking up and they're telling her everything you know everybody's telling her what happened and katie's all we we did and uh julie's all yeah sleepyhead we did so i just like you are going for the soft ones this time yeah yeah, i'm playing softball i'm playing wiffle ball this time. you're playing wiffle ball yep i would like to turn your attention to page 12 okay all right so on page 12 and this is a rare burn from Mr. Alex at the top. You're the new mutants. You're just kids. <laughs> I saw that one. I did like that one. Uh, I don't know why I didn't put that in I'm there. I'm sorry. But, that, that, yeah. and, and Daniel's response, so are you. Yeah. So what? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not only a burn. It's a recognized yeah, burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do like that one. Yeah. So I'm surprised you didn't get those. You know what? Uh, Let's, let's, let's see if you can redeem yourself. Mm-hmm. All right? Let's see if you can redeem yourself. Let's move on to stars in detention, and let's see if you can identify the child who was the best 
and who was the worst in each issue. Okay, do we want to do worst or best first? Let's do worst. Worst? Uh, here's the problem with that. Nobody was really all that bad. Everybody was pretty great. Pretty much. So I, it kind of like questionably i'm gonna have to say alex yeah i'm agreeing with you i'm agreeing with you what's your reasons uh again other people just did better stuff they did more good things he kind of was there a lot of the time you know the demon fight's going on he's sort of floating nearby and yeah again there was no nobody was really the worst kid nobody really deserves attention I I, i think i can help you uh, he did a, some really uncalled for sniping at Katie at the beginning. There's that. He was telling her, "Oh, you can't hold the baby. You're going to disintegrate it." You know, trust in your teammates, Alec. Yeah. You know, and then. And but then that being said, too, it's like I've got a neighbor who's a five year old who wants to hold my baby, and she, you know, that's it's like twenty pound kids a lot of weight for a five. That's fine. Yeah. But you're in the middle of saving kids from demons. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Julie's getting her arms full. Yeah. <laughs> Julie is going I around. Mean, yeah. You know, let's be reasonable here, okay? Yeah. If if there was a fire and one of those kids came over to take your baby out of the house. Yeah, yeah, let him, <laughs> you know, yeah, let's, carry, yeah. let's let's think this through a bit it's here, true. okay? That's very true. I've just broken both my arms. I need somebody. You're gonna help carry my baby? Yes, please help yep, carry my yep, baby. Yep, yep, okay, yep, you know. Yep. Um also uh he was not watching her when he made the phone call. There's that. It's yeah, yeah it's the kidnapping story. He's lines. still blaming himself. Yeah, still that, blaming himself, that. and yeah, he, didn't, the, he didn't really help out in the fight. Too. Yeah, those are all excellent points that I just couldn't remember for whatever reason. All right, who do you got for best? My best, and I bet it's your best, is nope. Really, really, ah, huh. but bring it on. Okay, Julie. Uh, it was just the aspect that she was you know, again talking about the you know. Grabbing the babies. She yes. loaded her arms up with yes. babies. She no, could no, she, not save good. any more babies. Sam saves Katie by knocking her off a building. You yes. know, and uh, Julie flew after and caught her. Yeah. Immediately, she was just like, Katie, no. fly. You know, so yeah, it was just, no, no. She was just boom, 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 boom. She was I there. Agree. She was I going. Yeah. I agree. Uh, also, you know, between... Her and Jack. I mean, Jack both did great jobs fighting. They both did great jobs fighting the demons. Yeah, but Jack was uh, kind of like yeah, he, he was, was knocking like, heads, but it was also like he even got kind of rightly yelled at yeah, by Alex, where it's just enough. like, "There's babies in their <laughs> hands, Jack, stop it!" And he's like, "Uh huh, smack!" And more babies go flying. So, so here's my thing: is um, I chose Franklin. I chose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he because. was in the story, and he also is a member of Power Pack. Yeah, okay. and why did I choose Franklin? He saved Santa. He, he saved, saved Santa Claus. <laughs> he saved Christmas, which is tomorrow. I would like to. I would like to read my notes here. Yeah. <laughs> I chose Franklin for saving Santa. Period. Fight me. <laughs> Come on, you want to fight about Come it? On. Let's fight. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin, he saved Santa Claus. Okay, I am I am totally down with that. I was my, I my was, pick only saved babies. <laughs> yours saved Santa. I was, yeah, I was having a problem. Like you know, I really could have gone with either Julie or Jack. Wait, Franklin saved Santa Claus. Done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yep. Mike dropped. Mike dropped. <laughs> boom. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. boom goes the Franklin. Yep. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Moving on to G-Force count, okay. there isn't any. Nope, it was another big old goose egg for the holidays. So, <sighs> yeah. So, zero G-Force, you can find that in space, which we didn't have of any this time. Maybe in Pockets yeah. of Limbo, they have zero G. The ever-dropping G average is 1.35, which is getting basically close to uh, Earth gravity. Yeah. Yep. 
G total still is 27, which is about, you know, two and a half times jet fighter maneuvering. Let's on move on to top grades. Okay. Let's evaluate this issue against the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Going into this, in my mind, from my memory of this, this issue, I was not impressed with it. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be very low. But reading it and rereading it, I actually got a lot more out of it. I think this, there's a lot more to this. This is not one of the flashier issues. No. It's better than I thought it was. Okay. I'm interested in seeing where you think we should start this out. It's a, I feel it is a very middling. It's not terrible. It's not great. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is not great. But it, again, it's not terrible. No, so it's yeah. got. It, I think what it is is I think it really suffers from being a bit of a downer after the last really good issue. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's one of the things it suffers from. I think the themes in it are good. I like the new mutants in there. I don't think that the new mutants got the right play. I think we saw a really good Daniel Moonstar. I think mm-hmm. that was a really good representation of her. I think Sam Guthrie was pretty good in there. Mm-hmm. Rain just showed up, and it was kind of sad. Because Rain was I like, also featuring. I yeah. like Rain a lot, mm-hmm. so I mean, it, I think that felt a little flat. There were two storylines going on, and I think they're both were good storylines. I think there's some great stuff in here. Yeah, well, the, but I, but like I said, the entire thing with the demons trying to take New York that ends up being a nine-part series in Inferno with countless mm-hmm. other. Uh, crossover issues with other Marvel comics, mm-hmm. and this is a half of an issue. So I think that's one of the things right there. Um, and like you said, though, half of an issue, which means half of the issue was not Power Pack. So you know it dealt with Power Pack tangentially, where it's just like, oh, they, the Power Pack's mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but, but, but I mean, yeah, so it, which is important, yeah. but it's still, it, which meant that you have half as many pages devoted yeah. to Power Pack, which means half as much stuff is happening with power pack so yeah it was and, a lot and we, ha- still, and we was, still didn't really get the good new mutant stuff too. no and and that's kind of the thing it's like this is huge manhattan mm-hmm. an island with millions of people on it yeah. is going to be turned into a slave state in a limbo dimension they saved them whoa they saved babies wow they saved their mom's soul from going to death and now she'll live wow how was the issue yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. it's it's weird because I like the story, but then mm-hmm. I get done with it and I it really goes out of my head. Yeah, it, uh, you say that honestly. I was reading another thing for another episode we're going to prep, you know, that we're doing yeah. after this one, and I was trying to remember what we were doing for the main <laughs> one, which is this, and yeah. I couldn't recall anything about it. I was just like, well, I know on the Patreon one we're doing, they're going camping and stuff, but what about the power pack? Yeah. Yeah, and and it took me a while to actually go, oh, that's right, demons. Yeah, okay, yeah. So we've got here 21. Mm -hmm. We've got number one is Power Pack 19, the one that came before this. Guess who's coming to dinner? We have Thor 363, This Cursed Earth, which is a great issue. It's just a bad Power Pack issue. I can't wait till we get something else below that one because (laughs) I feel really, really bad about having that one that low. (laughs) No, I just want people to get upset with our choice. Yeah, I know, I know. But Thor was great. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we just, know. Yeah, it's just for what we we did. And I yeah. think that's good. That issue's that episode's going to go out this week. I'm I'm I want to see if people actually respond to it. We'll see. So let, let's start in the middle, then I guess. Do you, well, do you, do you see it as a middle one? Do you see it as an upper upper? Do you see a lower? Where do you, where do you, where do you see it as? Because all right, let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. I definitely I definitely would rather read this than the Dragon Man trilogy. <laughs> So okay. that instantly puts it above number 17. Yes, it does. Uh, power Pack number 8, Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, Butterfinger, which is the second issue. Um, Where they go and destroy the uh, mass converter yeah. thing. Yeah. 
So that that's probably somewhere around there. Do we like this one better or worse than that? Hmm. Which one would we rather read? Hmm. I, it is it right around Butterfinger is great because mm-hmm. I I like problems. Yeah. And Butterfinger, I might just be having nostalgia with Butterfinger. Yeah, I, I think I would rather read this one because I really like the New Mutants. I think the New Mutants bring something to it. Okay. Um. So then let's put it as the new sixteen. All right. All right. We'll do that. Yep. So between uh, Power Pack number eleven problems and Power Pack number two Butterfinger. Yep. All right. There we go. The new number sixteen. All right. Speaking of rankings, mm-hmm. we got some power balls. We got a couple big power balls. Yes. Big power balls that Katie shot up in the air. Yep. Let's take those power balls and let's talk about Stone whoop, Stout. This has definitely still got that barley taste. Yeah. It's got the sharp barley taste. Yeah. I like this. I'm liking the my tummy tummy. It feels good down there. It's getting it down there. That's hmm. <laughs> yeah, it feels good in the tum. It doesn't. It, well, here's the thing. I'm looking at my bottle, and I think you've uh, emptied out your bomber. I have half my bomber left. Yeah, but you're so, also sick. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting on a cold. So yay, that's fun. Because all I do is don't sleep and get sick. Great babydom. I yeah. wonder if that's connected. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Yeah, so I still have half, half a bomber, and yeah, uh, the taste of it is. It's not what I would be going to sure. normally. Uh, for me, like a two and a half, three. Yeah, I'm 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 hovering around the two and a half myself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, here, my wishy washiness will go to a two and a half. I'm, yeah, I'm it, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you up on that two and a half. I will say a two and a half as well. I like it. I do like it. I, I think I love the artwork on it. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. I want to like it a lot more than yes, I do. Yeah. It's like as soon as I saw this, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm gonna love this. I want this in my mouth. Right. And uh, I th- I think it I think the 13 percent ABV. I think putting the extra alcohol in there. I think so. I think this is one with less i with less alcohol in it might actually be better. Maybe. I think if we tone down the alcohol, we can get to actual the tastes that are there. Yeah. But it's it's a root stout. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be demony, and, and I think I think they got. I think it's good for what it is. I just don't think it's the best for what we want. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Because uh, again, we love stouts. Mm-hmm. We really do. We drink a lot of IPAs for the show, but mm-hmm. uh, we love stouts. This one just isn't quite cutting it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry about that, Will Wheaton. Yep. I want to like this more than I do. So yeah. Two and a half. Two and a half. But we like what you do, Will Wheaton. Keep it up. Yep. Now we're at Kid's Perspective, which is the stage of the show where Rick and Carrie, his daughter, have a discussion about the episode that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, tell us your thoughts. How are you doing, Carrie? Good. Good. So in this issue, we've got the New Mutants, right? Do you know yeah. anything about the New Mutants? One thing Mirage. <laughs> so not much, right? No. No. Okay. So I'll point them out to you here. This is Mirage. Okay. okay? She's got the power to make illusions occur. So if she can take your or her biggest fear or desire is, and she can make it an illusion. Okay? Okay. This guy here, his name is Cannonball. And you can see what he does there, right? Yeah. What is he doing? Um, he's flying. Yeah, and he's kind of got this field around him too, right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. When he's flying and he's got that field around him, he really can't be hurt. Okay? Okay. And then this is Rain Sinclair. She's also known as Wolfsbane. And you know what she does, right? Um, she can transform into a, a werewolf. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? A pegasus. And what's her name? Brightwind. Brightwind. Right. Kind of like Swiftwind from... Sure. <laughs> yeah, that that can work fine. That would work fine. Tell me about this book. What what's what's going on with this book? What do you remember from this? 
there's these monsters. Right. And they have horns. Um, they're different colors. They're demons. <laughs> yeah. Right. And what are they doing? They're trying to get out of the swamp place they're stuck in. They're trying to get out of limbo, right. And how are they going to do it? They're um, they're trying to get past this wall from the dark child. Yeah, that's true. And how are they going to do that? They're going to use Katie. That's right. They were going to use something else before they decided to use Katie. What were they going to use before they were going to use Katie? Mummy dust. Mummy dust and some animals. But what else? What did Power Pack save from them? Babies. Babies. So that's one and thing. And they were arguing over them. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yes. Go ahead. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. They were arguing over the baby, about how good their babies looked. Oh, the monsters were arguing about how good the babies looked, right? Yeah. One said, mine's got real innocent face. <laughs> Power Pack stopped them from doing that. And then uh-huh. the demons went and they kidnapped Katie to use mm-hmm. Katie instead of the babies, right? Yeah. Yeah. What else is happening at the same time as, as all of that? What's Mirage doing? Who's Mirage fighting? Dark Angel. Yeah. Death, right? Yeah. And why is she fighting death? Who's she trying to save? The, the Power Pack's mom and everybody who might go to death. Right. Death. And, and in this case, it's mostly uh, Maggie Powers, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? Deep. Yeah, it is kind of deep, isn't it? Uh-huh. Did you understand most of it? Not really. Not really? <laughs> it kind of is confusing when it's dealing with something really deep. I don't, I don't really pay much attention when it's deep. Okay, that's fair. You know, you can always ask me questions, right? Yeah. Did you enjoy the comic book? Yeah. What? Why did you still, even though some of it was deep and you didn't understand it, why did you still enjoy it? Because it had lots of action. Okay. It did have lots of action. There's lots of fighting going on, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of neat to see. They do a good job with that, don't they? Uh-huh. Is there anything else that you really liked from the book? In this one part, uh, Mirage was talking on the phone, talking with Alex. Yeah. Well, Spain, uh, she turned into a wolf and was pulling on a stringy. Yeah, she was pulling on something that Sam had, right? Yeah. That was kind of funny that they're just kind of roughhousing around, aren't they? Uh-huh. Sam and Wolfsbane, or Sam and Rain, they act like brother and sister sometimes. I'll show you those comic books. I've got those comic books with them in it. Anything else you liked in this book? Not really. <laughs> okay, is there anything else you want to say before we, before we go? And the comic book's cover was really, uh, had lots of action, just like it suited the book. Yeah, it is very, it is a really good picture of what's in the book, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's really action-packed. The guy who does this, he, he does a lot of action type of covers, so it's kind of cool seeing a different different artist doing a cover, isn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I love you, Carrie. Love you, too. Shout-out time! We love to recognize all of those listeners that we have. We know you're out there, we see your numbers, and we really respect you. We also want to thank you for writing into us, leaving us reviews, or just recognizing that we exist. So on Twitter, Craig McNichol, Matthew Birdsey, Osvaldo Oila, Longbox Crusade, Vertigaz, Jared Albrecht, G.A. Sanchez, Sailor Bear Zodar, Greg Arugia, Warlock Thanos Podcast, CH0, Tim Price, Secret Wars and Beyond, The Hammer Strikes, Comics in the Golden Age, Charles Gears, and our buddy Alexander. And then moving over to Facebook, Jeff Pullier. That's your name. (laughs) 
Michael Neeritz. <laughs> That's not my name. Al Sedano. Nicholas Brom. Jesse Elizondo. Michael Anthony Carroll. Shag Matthews. And I would like to wish a very happy birthday to Jeffy. Yeah, it's coming around the corner. Watch You'll me age in place. You'll be coming around the corner as you age. You'll be coming around the corner as you age. There goes your knees and there goes your back. We yeah. hope you liked them when you were younger because they're yeah. going away. Now that age is coming around the corner. Yeah. Enjoy that I hair. I can't sing. <laughs> Enjoy that hair in your ears, okay? <laughs> You'll be forgetting why you came around that corner, okay? You'll be forgetting why you came around that corner, okay? You know You're keep... entering that room and you'll be going, what am I doing? <laughs> a reminder that February 22nd to the 24th of 2019, I will be at the Portland Wizard World Convention. I plan to be there walking around, so come and see me and say hi. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a non-existent live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the wonderful magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. It really will help, and we haven't had anybody do it in a while. Please do it. Tell your friends about us. Please do it. Or share your love with us on social media. Please, Please do, do it. It. <laughs> it does help. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is We Wish You a Merry Christmas. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. The sneaky, sad siblings silently spy on the surgeon, scientist, senior, and sleeping sickie who is sheet shrouded and supine in her silent somnolent. I ran out of air. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> Crazy for demons and crazy for monkeys crazy for puppies this way crazy i'm shooting at demons on a new york street bam 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 i have newto a frog fresh yum it's gonna make a powerful brew my baby! My baby! My baby! Those things stole my baby! My baby! My baby! Who gots to get them back? Insert kitty, I'm not a baby, and I can if I want to. I can if I want to. I can if I want to. Yep, no, no. I found a Pegasus. Yeah, it's like a horse. With this... wings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you lop those off and. <laughs> Dip them in sauce and you get yourself a horse with weird scars. <laughs> Dump them in sauce, you've got a franchise. Yeah, you got yourself a... yeah welcome, to, welcome to Mephisto's Pegasus Wings. <laughs> what kind of peg dipping sauce do you want? Because all we have is Inferno. Spicy jalapeno? Yeah. Do you want Fwoosh, Fwoosh, or Fwoosh? They are the bigger threat. They are the bigger threat. The threat? The threat? The they are the 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 bigger 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 I brought my own echo chamber 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 chamber. Okay, just as a quick aside, Katie and the Demons would be a good band name. Yeah. Yep. And now I'll do the Katie and the Demons.
Thrash metal or uh, punk rock? Uh, I don't know. No, no, actually, uh, oh, no, a little, little fair. Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking <laughs> that it would be like a, the Japanese, Japanese, uh, like lolly, lolly metal. No, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking little fair material. Okay. Yeah, Kitty and the Demons. Uh, and wow, yeah. wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> Thirty-two minute long songs. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, back to script. Mirage counters that she is here to fight for. Yeah, I had it right. Maggie counters that she is here to fight for Maggie. Nope. Dragon. Dang it. One of them counters that the other is here to fight for the one that's not healthy. Mirage counters that she is here to fight for Meg. Just, yeah, I said it You're right. You're right. Don't let me. you know. You just keep okay. going. This is where the farg. 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 This is where the farg and farg. Yeah, well, farg it's, to farg to farg. it's when they have that kind of mist in Fargo. In Fargo. Yeah, they call it you farg. You betcha. You betcha. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's pretty fargy out. It's pretty yeah, fargy. really fargy. Really fargy. Fargier than most. Fergie, fargy, fargy. Oh, wasn't uh, fargy in the Black Eyed Peas? Uh, yes, she was. She was also Princess Fargy. <laughs> now on to power thoughts. Footnoted. <laughs> yeah. Why do you tell people how to embalm people and slaughter them and get the, away with crimes? The same reason we tell them alligator jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm Let's, still quite proud of that 